Hello and welcome to another episode of Thoughts of Laura. Last time, I talked about the second impeachment of Donald Trump, giving you the breakdown and most important facts that you needed to know in a quick episode. If you haven't already heard that one and are curious, go give it a listen. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking to you all about resumes and cover letters and giving you all of the different things I've learned over the many, many, many resumes and cover letters that I have made throughout my four years in college. Now, I hope you're ready to get started talking all about resumes and cover letters. If you're a graduating senior like I am or looking for a summer internship, job hunt season is upon you. And that can feel like a lot of pressure and it's it's a thing that's really hard to kind of get in the flow of. So I'm gonna start with some of the more basic tips for resumes, which you've probably heard, but I'm gonna go over again anyways. The first is always to use action verbs and to put them in the past tense. So you would say, acted as chief of blah, 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 wrote articles every week, things like that. The only time you use present tense is if you are still in that role. You could say, writes six articles a week or whatever it may be. Another thing is to put all of your descriptions of your job roles into bullet points that are short and really easy to read. People spend very, very little time looking at your resume, which is very disappointing, but it's just the reality of things. So the easier it is for them to get the important information from your resume that they need, the better. So you don't want to be writing paragraphs and long sentences. You want short, sweet bullet points that make it very clear what you did without a lot of effort on the part of the reader. You've also probably heard that you need to be making a resume and a cover letter that's different for every single position you apply for. This is true. You don't always have to be starting from scratch, it doesn't have to be drastically different, but you do need to think about the position you're applying to and what they want from you and what things on your resume are going to best reflect that. So what I do is I have basically like a master resume and then I edit it from there for each position, adding, removing things. That's going to be a really huge help when you already have a master that you can go off of, that you're not kind of rebuilding it every time because that takes so much more energy. The last thing is to leave your address off your resume. This is a thing that if you look up like a standard resume template or something like that, it's going to have a space for your address and that used to be the standard when people emailed or when people mailed things physically. We don't do that much anymore. So your address is not really necessary. Even if you're applying to like an out of state job, um, oftentimes the application form will ask for your home address anyways. So you can just put it in through the application process instead of on your resume because it's just taking up space. And most of the time it doesn't really matter because you're going to relocate or it's going to be remote now with all the COVID things. Okay, next, let's talk about formatting. So I've actually had this happen to me in an interview uh, where I pulled up my resume to show someone and the first thing they did was take a ruler and hold it up to all of my columns on my resume to see if they were lined up. Luckily mine were, but if they weren't, 
that's something that some employers are going to look down on for whatever reason. I guess to them it's um, a sign of kind of sloppiness, lack of attention to detail, which doesn't always seem like it should be the most important thing, but you don't want to take any chances. You don't want something that small to be the reason someone doesn't take the time to look at your resume for longer. So make sure you line everything up really, really well. Make sure all of your margins are equal. This is easier if you're using a very standard template, but if you are doing something a little more unique and creative, it can get easy. It can be easy for the spacing to get a little bit off. So be, just be very, very careful about that. The next tip is to put the most important information in the top half of the page. You probably already know that you should only have one page for like a standard resume, but that one page, you should put the most important information in the top half because now that everything, not everything, but most things are digital, most employers are looking at your resume digitally. They're not looking at it on paper as much anymore. And lots of times if they open it in like Adobe Acrobat, you know, some sort of PDF reader like that, the size that it pulls it up in automatically only shows the first half of the page. So unless they go to the effort to zoom out or to scroll, they might just look at the top half of your resume and then ex exit out. So you want to make the top half of your resume interesting enough that they want to scroll down to the second half. Another thing when you're putting everything in the top half of your resume to consider is um, we often tend to put our role, like our position first, as like the heading and then the company that it was with underneath. If you have worked for any larger companies, any more prestigious companies, it's a really good idea to put the name first. So put something like New York Times, and then underneath, associate editor, or whatever your position was. Um, not that most of us have worked at the New York Times, but if you have, you definitely want that to be very clear on your resume, because even though the quality of work you might have been doing at a smaller company might actually be better, and you may have gained more from the experience, people are still drawn to big names. So if you have any big names, you want them front and center to catch attention. Next, you want to really think about how you're grouping things. For some people, a grouping of awards and accomplishments is really going to make sense. For other people, it's not if you're only going to have, you know, one thing in there, really. Um, so you want to be very strategic about the way that you group things and to be picky with what you put on your resume. Not every single experience you've ever had needs to be on there. I work at the student center on campus. I have bartended. Those things don't go on my resume typically. Yes, they have value in that they show that I worked while also being a student, which, you know, shows that I'm able to manage my time well. But ultimately, in the long run, a lot of my other experiences are going to be more important and are going to be a lot more appealing to an employer than seeing that I bartended. But depending on the job you're applying for, you know, the view may be different on that. So that's why you have to think about yourself, what you're applying to, um, and what, from your experience, is the most relevant and the most important. For another example for grouping things differently, on my resume I have personal and professional experience separately because I have 
a blog, a podcast, things like that, that I have been doing on my own that are not an example of me working with an established publication. But there is still value in that experience. So that is something that I often include. But something like personal experience is not going to be relevant to everyone. Lastly, let it breathe. Do not cram your resume full of every single detail you can think of. You don't want it to be overwhelming to someone's eye and you want it to be easy to read. The more information there is on the page, the more difficult it's going to be to read, the longer it's gonna seem like it's going to take and the less likely people are to actually read it. Obviously don't leave off essential information, but be really picky with what you're putting and leave some room for everything to breathe, leave some space. It'll make it easy to read and it'll also be more appealing to the eye, which is now something that does actually matter. In that vein, let's talk about how you make your resume stand out. This has kind of been a little more of the basics of making a good resume, but good doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stand out. One of the first things that you can do to really kind of prove your qualifications to an employer is using numbers and quantifying things. This isn't going to be applicable to everything and every experience you have, um, and you don't want to be making stuff up. But if, for example, you have worked in social media and you grew um, whatever company's Instagram account by X amount of followers, that's something that you may want to include. If you know you worked in a very high volume capacity where you were producing a lot of work very quickly, you may want to put a number to that to give people an idea of exactly how much work you were doing and how much you are capable of. Another thing to consider is instead of just describing your duties in a position, describe your success in the position as well. This kind of goes, this kind of strays a little bit from the action verb concept, but this can be really valuable to do if you have had particular success. And this goes with the numbers thing. Something like, you know, gaining X amount of followers on this company's social media platform during your time as a social media editor is going to be impressive. Describing your successes is not always going to look the same as describing your duties, and it's worth it in that, in that case to maybe stray from the slightly more traditional description of your duties with action verbs if it's going to really make you stand out to an employer. Another thing is to think about keywords that were in the job description. Some companies, especially big companies, basically filter for keywords. So if your resume is missing certain keywords that were, for example, in the qualifications part of the job listing, if it said, you know, proficient in Adobe Creative Suite and nowhere on your resume does it say Creative Suite, you may get filtered out and your resume may not even get looked at. So you want to be very careful when you're looking at those job descriptions to make sure that you're picking out the important words and making sure they're included in your resume. Only where applicable, obviously. If you have never used Adobe Creative Suite and it says you need to, don't put it on your resume because they will find out that you don't know how to use this when you start the job. But if you do have those experiences, 
you want to make sure that they're included. Be 100% sure that you are including as many of those keywords as possible. You're basically using the job listing to guide what words you use and what skills and experiences you choose to highlight. If there's an experience that you don't always include on your resume, but it shows that you have X skill that is listed in the job description, it's worth it to put it on this version of your resume because it may help you get this job, even though it may not help you a lot in a lot of the other jobs you're applying to. Lastly, make it unique. Obviously, if you are not going into a very creative field, you still need to keep a certain level of um, traditional professionalism. They don't want to see super bright colors and um, lots of patterns and pictures or anything like that, but you do still want to add some sort of unique element. Mine, my resume is still fairly traditional, um, but instead of on white, I have it on a very light pink. My name is like in a very big heading and my all my categories are split down the middle and aligned to that midline. That's probably a confusing description verbally, but basically instead of having everything aligned to the left of the page, I have two different sides of my resume that are aligned to a middle line. It's a small thing, it's not incredibly creative, but it is different than a lot of other resumes that are following that more traditional look. I used to hate making resumes, but now I actually have a lot of fun with it and I enjoy tailoring it to different jobs. It became a lot easier the more I did it because it's definitely super, super daunting at first. Okay, so now let's transition to cover letters. Not all jobs are gonna require a cover letter, but they are really a great opportunity for you to prove yourself further than your resume because your resume only does so much. The basic structure that I use for a cover letter is in the first paragraph, I highlight the company and why I align with their mission. I then highlight the specific position and use that as a segue to highlight my skills and how they apply specifically to this position. And then I end by expressing my enthusiasm all over again for their company and for what they do and thanking them for their time. Cover letters are very tricky because there's a fine line between expressing your abilities and why they apply to this position and, you know, trying to show off. And formality of your cover letter will also depend a lot based off of the company or the position you're applying to. A lot of smaller, newer companies are okay with a more informal tone. And this is where you have to have researched the company and know what they're about, what their style is. If they write in a very informal way, it's probably okay for you to write more informally as well. But if you're applying to a very traditional company in a traditional role in, I don't know, like in a business environment or something, you're gonna wanna be a little more buttoned up. So think about that when you're writing. 
And with your cover letter, you want to try to expand on something that is a little more minor on your resume, but that would be important for them to know. You don't want to spend the whole cover letter talking about the most prominent thing on your resume because they've already seen that. You want to take a small piece of something they've seen and expand on it and make it give them a clearer picture of why that experience was important, what it taught you and how you can apply it to their position. You have to remember that while you're applying for this job and you want it, they are looking for someone who can do what they need. So you need to prove to them that you can do what they need. If you don't have a lot of numbers in your resume, this is a really great time to explain verbally the skills that you have gained in positions, even if you don't have those numbers to show it on your resume. Resumes are more quantitative, where this is a little more qualitative, if that makes sense. This is also your chance to not only show that you have the skill for the job, but to give them a taste of why you would fit into their company culture. In an interview, that's what they're going to be checking for. They're going to be checking to see that you are going to be a good fit for their company, not just skill-wise. The cover letter is your first opportunity to show them that you will fit right into their company and into what they believe in. The cover letter is also how you stand out from people who have very similar experiences on their resume. Like with your resume, you want to be considering the keywords that they used in their job description when writing this cover letter. Because people will subconsciously kind of click those things together in their head where you're seeming to match up with everything that they need. Once again, don't do this in a false way. Only do it with the things that are true. This can also be a time to explain um, gaps or unofficial experience. Like if you have worked with programs before, but you don't have experience on your resume that demonstrates this, that's a time where you can explain that. You probably already know this, but last thing for structure of cover letters, you do not need to be writing more than a page. The shorter you can make it, the better. People don't like to read novels either, but you do want to make sure all the important information is there about why you like this company, why you will fit in there, why you are a good match for this position, skill-wise and personality-wise. And of course, finishing by expressing your enthusiasm genuinely and thanking them for their time because they are spending a lot of time looking at applications and if they have read through your resume and cover letter that's probably more than they're doing for a lot of other applicants so that is pretty much all i have for you for this episode i hope this has been helpful there will be a blog post version up on my blog, um, lotsoflaura.com. It will be linked in the episode description, of course. And I will be back in two weeks for another episode on interviewing with a guest. So you guys can look forward to that. In the meantime, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it. Hearing that you guys are enjoying this content and that it's relevant for you and helpful means a lot and helps me keep doing this because I enjoy this and I hope you're enjoying it too. As always, you can keep up with me on Instagram at lots of Laura, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye.